0: guys and welcome to another episode of the Fanboy Comics podcast. Of course, I'm your host Clay, and of course, this is the show where we talk about the Marvel Unlimited app, the DC Universe app, the Shonen Jump app. And today specifically, this is Shonen Jump Saturday, so we are going to take a deep dive into the Shonen Jump app, of course, talking about some of my favorite mangas today. Of course, we are talking about Dragon Ball Super, My Hero Academia, and as well as Ruroni Kenshin, as you heard of the intro. Now, I have really been enjoying the uh, Shonen Jump app, uh, so much so that, of course, we are on chapter 55 of the Dragon Ball Super Saga. And looking at the app right now, we have 56, 57, 58, and 59. Now, I think in about seven days, uh, 60 is going to come out for Dragon Ball Super, but. We are catching up, which means we are going to be down to two different mangas that we're going to be talking about weekly, so we need to add something else. I did a poll on Twitter, and I did a poll on Instagram. Now, they didn't add up very well, so looking at it, it looks like we may add two more books instead of just one onto the Shonen Jump app, uh, or the uh, Shonen Jump Saturday show, that being My Hero Vigilante, and quite possibly Naruto. So, I'm still questioning Naruto, uh, because it is a long series to invest in. But, something that I might want to look into, just because I love the anime, I've seen it all the way through episode 1, through, gosh, 500 or whatever it may be. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I've seen all of it, absolutely loved it, but I've never read any of the mangas. So... I think it would be really fun to look into. Uh, So yeah, I might have a total of five different books to talk to or talk about. But if we do end up doing that, we may end up talking uh, through maybe just one chapter each because it's so many books. But it really depends on what you guys think. If I should go ahead and do it by the volume like we have been doing. And I think we've mainly been doing it like half a volume, and then the second half, like part one of volume, and then part two of volume, doing it like that per episode, but we'll we'll just wait and see. So, let's go ahead and jump into the very first book of the night, that being Dragon Ball Super, chapter 55. Chapter 55, Dragon Ball Super, Merus's true identity. Now, of course, on chapter 54, we had seen that Miris may have some relation to the angels quote unquote of the Dragon Ball Super universe uh, of course Whis is an angel and I believe I can't remember his name I'm sure it'll tell me here uh, the grand priest uh, over you know watching over the uh, king of the universes or the or the multiverse or whatever of Dragon Ball Super uh, of course they are all angels so here in chapter 55 the very beginning uh, we do indeed find out that he is an angel, and his wavering on whether he is being, uh, I guess, uh, what's the word that I. neutral. Be, him being neutral has kind of been swayed towards the good side. He's not necessarily being neutral, he is, in fact, being uh, somebody who is influencing the good. Uh, but uh, there is an argument there because even we was uh, training Goku and Vegeta and he does bring that up when talking about the grand priest it wasn't necessarily to benefit good it was just to benefit him in wanting to eat earth food and they do crack a joke about that but uh you know they do talk about how uh they will need to uh well Whis takes it upon himself to say hey I want to talk to Miris about all this uh, I want to see if we can, you know, get him to kind of calm down with being, you know, a good guy, quote unquote. And the Grand Priest grants it and says, okay, you will deal with this, but please, uh, I do, I do not wish to lose any angel, uh, troublemaker or not. So we move back to Yardrat and this episode in, in this chapter is quite possibly my favorite that we have read all of like, from the very start of when we started reading Dragon Ball Super, because we finally get a little bit of insight on how the training is going as far as Vegeta. Now, of course, there is a, uh, what's his, the Galactic Patrolman, he is named, gosh, what is his name? His name is, um, 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 um. Uh, Iriku. Iriku is, uh, of course, the galactic patrolman that had been alongside Vegeta when basically Vegeta... uh, uh, Oh my gosh, I don't know what I just called him. When Vegeta basically took control of the ship. So they're on Yodrat. Goku is... I mean, Vegeta is training. And Iriku is telling Vegeta, hey, there is an unknown vessel that is coming in. I think it's going to be Maru's people and more of the inmates, we need to make sure that, you know, they don't consume this planet, blah, 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 blah. So, Vegeta is ready to, you know, fight them, but the individuals of Yardrat are like, hey, you're still training, be careful of how you're, you know, what you're doing, basically, and, and Vegeta's kind of questioning that, like, what what does that even mean? Oh, well, I need to go fight. So, it's really, really cool because uh, the people, the inmates that are fighting. There's one individual. Uh, he kind of looks like a pretty boy, and he immediately starts to like be like, "Oh, okay, you're you're the one who was fighting us on that Namekian planet. Uh, I should tell Maru about this. That you know you did survive." And Vegeta puts out a finger to shoot out a ki blast. And oh my god, it is about the size of a freaking spirit bomb right at the tip of his finger. And it just blasts off. Even Vegeta himself is so confused as of what the hell's going on. And this dude immediately is just fried. He isn't dead. It's kind of just like jokingly like he has the singe marks. He's like smoke is coming off of him. And he's like how dare you like without warning you're just going to fire at me. And even Vegeta, like I said, he's very confused. But the people of Yardrat uh, come up and they're like, hey, uh, you know, they they are a little bit concerned with, you know, the environment around them. But they do say, hey, you know, these buildings and whatnot have been abandoned for some time. So thankfully you didn't kill anybody. But he says, uh, you just witnessed your own uh, nascent power. Before your training here, your body's, uh, your body and spirit were so off balance that you couldn't project your own power very well. And then even Vegeta says, oh, meaning I've already grown since I've arrived. And the guy says, yes, leaps and bounds. You have grown so much just in this small time of training, which even Vegeta, at one point in the beginning of this, felt like he wasn't learning anything. So, uh... He does say, like I said, you gotta be mindful of that power. And so, uh, this guy that got fried by Vegeta, his name is Yuzin, uh he, he orders the other lackeys to attack. Vegeta, barely moving an inch, takes them both out. And so, this guy immediately starts to transform. And then it dawned on me, holy crap, this guy is the same race as Zarbon. If you don't remember Zarbon, it is from the uh, the uh, Frieza saga, when they were on Namek for the first time, gathering the Dragon Balls. He was the green guy that worked for Frieza, kind of his right-hand man. And eventually, in the Namek, uh, in the, Namekian, the Frieza saga, uh, Vegeta ends up killing him. So... He transforms, everybody kind of freaks out, and he says, now that I've transformed, you're doomed, and even Iriku is like, oh, I've never seen a transformation like that before, (laughs) and Vegeta's like, oh, yeah, I've seen that plenty, I've seen plenty like him, this shouldn't be a problem whatsoever, and so, uh, freaking, uh, uh, Yuzan is very offended by the way that Vegeta is kind of throwing shade or whatever, so he's very angry, uh, and he is ready to kill Vegeta. Vegeta's not having it. Nope, not at all. Vegeta very quickly and like swiftly just moves like the wind. Blowing him, like freaking blowing Yuuzhan off to the side. Uh, and so this guy is getting even more angry. He's starting to attack. He's getting, he's, he's pretty large now because of his transformation. And Vegeta is not breaking a sweat whatsoever. He has that smug grin on his face. Absolutely love it. And again, they're like destroying buildings. They're destroying towers. Uh, but Yuzan ends up picking up an entire building, almost like a skyscraper, and throws it at Vegeta. And Vegeta, at like at first, looks like he's like kind of nervous about it. But as soon as the building touches his fingertips he is easily, easily able to just toss it aside, absolutely awesome, Uh, I I love this, I absolutely love this, this is where you get to see Vegeta really shine, he gets to have his own little like, hey, look at me, I'm fucking awesome moment, I absolutely love it, this is what I want to see, this is exactly what I want to see, because I love, I love Vegeta, other than, Gohan being my number one favorite character. Vegeta is the number one character that I believe has had the most character development through the beginning of Dragon Ball Z. Now, of course, you can say that belongs to Piccolo because, of course, he was a villain as well. And that was, like, from Dragon Ball. But I said Dragon Ball Z. So, a little loophole there. So, uh, Yuzon actually throws, like, I believe, like, the top of a tower that looks like a spaceship or whatever and like attaches energy to it he consumes it with energy almost like uh like a telekinesis type and he like throws it and vegeta is easily able to just kick that out of the way uh yuzan is able to deflect it back up into the air and you know vegeta again moves like the wind knocks the breast out of him with one swift kick and Yuzan then is, you know, he has consumed too much energy at this point. So he transforms back to his normal body and, you know, has secretly had his minions get, the pl- uh, get their ship and kind of be below him. He jumps off the ledge, lands into the ship, and they start to fly off. Now, the really funny thing is Vegeta is about to blast them out of the sky, but before anything happens the piece of that building that Yuzan had deflected back up into the sky, it actually comes falling down and actually kills everybody on the ship. So they ended up killing themselves. And Vegeta just, like, kind of laughs it off. But, uh, so at this point, uh, Vegeta very much notices, okay, I have clearly, like, become strong. But these techniques that I have learned, there's nothing gonna. Be, they're not gonna be enough for Maru. So he asks uh, uh, Bypara. Uh, he says, "Yeah, Bypara is the the elder," and he, he asks him, uh, "Instant teleportation won't cut it. I need a technique that's capable of bringing down Maru." And so Bypara says, "Okay, there is one." But it's going to take you a lot of time. So if he says there's no point at all if he won't make it in time. So I'll go ahead and do it. Maru ends up sensing this power from Vegeta. And he is somewhat excited for all of this to go down. But until then he's just going to keep consuming planets. Now of course we do jump to Goku and uh, Miris. Miris is uh, pretty confident in himself and in Goku's training. You know, they're down to the last, like, few days or whatever. Uh, maybe even, he says here, uh, yeah, he says, Time is nearly up. Let us spar once more before taking off to Earth. So, they're about to power up and everything else, but all of a sudden, they're no longer in the ti- uh, hyperbolic time chamber. They end up being outside, and it was, in fact, Weeks who brought them outside, And this is where they have the conversation about Miris actually being an angel. And Goku, like, immediately was like, oh, okay, this makes total sense. With how strong you are and everything, this totally makes sense. Uh, I completely understand the situation that you're in now. Uh, Miris immediately uh, heals Goku as far as his wounds from training and all of that. Uh, He renews his clothes. And... He's like, okay, let's go ahead and get going. So Whis and Miris leave, and they leave Goku with the ship. Now, the funny thing is, if you know nothing about Goku, Goku has a hard time with anything that's not fighting. So flying, driving, doing anything a normal person normally would be able to do with a cinch, Goku just doesn't know it. He, 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 he doesn't like to do it, which in my mind... I would think, okay, why doesn't he just use the instant teleportation? Because he has been able to use it in very far-off distances. But for some reason, they're having him use the ship. So uh, the next chapter uh, will be next week. I'm really excited to see what's going to happen with Vegeta and Goku once they hit Earth. And what exactly is going on on Earth? Because you know, at this point... Uh, The rest of the Z fighters know that they have about six to eight months to train. So I I would like to see what's going on over there as well. But let's go ahead and jump on to our second title of the day, that being My Hero Academia. And I believe we have uh, chapters 168 through 172. Chapter 168, The Strange Tale of Oyama. Now, of course, we've left off on 167, Where Oyama was just staring into the uh, apartment or the room of uh, Deku. And looking very, very creepy. But basically what ends up happening is he just ends up walking off. He ends up leaving the balcony. Uh, Deku immediately wakes up. uh, Feels that Oyama was there and he's kind of freaked out. Uh, And when he looks outside there is cheese. Cheese. That spells out the words I know. Uh, So he is very freaked out by this. He doesn't understand what Ayama means by this. Uh, But uh, the next day at school, Ayama is still kind of acting kind of weird. Uh, They are talking about, uh, I believe, uh, what are they talking about? Uh, They're still talking about the, uh, uh, shoot, what is this? Um, Let's see says here, Deku is still very confused as of why Oyama has been acting this way. Uh, And they then talk about how uh, Mount Lady, Edge Shot, and Kami Wood uh, are teaming up. So they get on the conversation of heroes teaming up and how, you know, once they graduate, they should team up as well. And they're talking about, you know, how they could really work well together. So much so as, like, Aruka, you can make me float and I can make acid rain. And then you can control me with your tape. And, you know, they're they're all talking about how they could use, like, special moves to, you know, work together. And I thought that was really, really cool. So uh, they go out into training, uh, of course, in the gym. Uh, and so those of the heroes or the, the students that have been working on their special move, if they kind of got it down, they can perfect it. And those who haven't really worked out a special move, they can still work, continue to work on it. And there's a little he- piece here with Deku and Bakugo. Bakugo, of course, at this point knows about, all f- uh, uh, all for one, uh, sorry, uh, one for all, sorry, uh. And he asks him, uh, "Have you made any progress?" And Deku says, "No." And he's like, "Not at all. How like how are you playing on surpassing me?" So Bakugo still showing here that he does care. He is a hero. He is the kind of person that wants to lift people up, but he's not going to let anybody get in his way. So I still love that about Bakugo. But then here, when Deku is kind of in his own head. Oyama is still being weird, uh, showing him his naval laser in a very awkward way, uh, showing his uh, special move, naval buffet laser. And you know, he starts to get a stomach ache, and that like was his whole uh, thing with his with his power. And that's what really goes down into this one chapter. Basically, uh, he's not feeling well, so Deku asks if he can uh, uh, take him into the infirmary so that way he can take a break or whatever. And Oyama explains like the like well, Deku asked like, "Hey, why did you do that with the cheese on my balcony? Like, what's going on?" And Oyama says, "Well, I know you're like me; your body is not fit for your quirk, just like how my navel laser." If I use it too much, it hurts my own body. We're one and the same. So when I first saw this in the anime, I thought he was being a creep as well. But when he really explained it like that, I think that was really cool for them to, to have somebody like Oyama, who is struggling with his own quirk, uh, being able to really, you know, use it just like freaking Deku is able to use his quirk. He's not able to use it in its full capacity. Same thing with Oyama so uh and Oyama is still kind of weird with it you know oh you know wasn't it great you know that surprise didn't you like my surprise and so Deku you know says thanks he he's trying to be polite and whatnot so after that they did become pretty good friends and here uh we then get to learn that uh freaking uh what is her name? I always forget her name. Uh, Ashido, uh, Ashido is the one with the horns, with the acid, whatever. Uh, it opens up, uh, uh, chapter 169 with her break dancing. It's really, really awesome. Uh, and you know, they are talking about how they want to learn and how dancing can really help with movement and all of this stuff. And when they get into class, uh, Eraserhead, or, uh, uh, oh my gosh, I cannot remember names for the life of me. I am learning very quickly with this stupid podcast that I cannot remember names whatsoever. So, uh, Eraser is basically saying that, uh, there is going to be a school festival and that, uh, class 1A is going to need to do something for that festival. So everybody starts throwing out ideas. Everybody Uh, so, Ida is wanting to kind of put all these ideas down on paper, or, uh, in this sense, on the chalkboard, and really try to figure out what they want to do. Uh, there's ideas for, uh, freaking, uh, uh, Kiminari, uh, does a, he has the idea of a made cafe, and then, uh, uh, Mineta... (laughs) He wants to do a strip club, and and before he could even finish the word club, uh, they actually like tie him up, and he's like, "Uh, we need to, you know, we need to, you know, take this trash out." Basically, calling him trash, which I think is funny. Uh, uh, Raku wants to do a mochi a mochi stand. Uh, freaking uh, Kirishima wants to do a arm wrestling thing. Uh, some people want to do haunted house. Then there's a crepe, uh, a crepe. I say crepe. That's hilarious. Uh, a crepe stand, of course. Uh, dance, petting zoo, like all these different ideas, uh, which a lot of them sound really great, but they do come up with the fact that okay, maybe some of these can be put into the same category. So okay, let's see if we can kind of move this down. And find one thing or another. And you know, they eventually come up with, and I think it's this the same, uh, yeah, eventually they come up with, hey, we maybe we should just do a performance. And I think it was uh, Tororoki that came up with, yeah, he shows she sh- he showed them on a laptop, like, hey, look at this performance that these people did. And it was basically on YouTube, uh, or their version of YouTube here on the uh, manga. But there was a performance, and they're like, oh, wow, I can't believe Todoroki came up with this idea. He he doesn't seem like the kind of person that would like this kind of music, blah, blah, blah. And then they are like, hey, wait a second. And, oh, my gosh, uh, it is, uh, 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 oh, my gosh, uh, Jiro. Of course, she is the musically inclined, uh, individual. Her power is the sound waves. She's quite possibly one of my favorite heroes or, or, you know, one of the teen heroes just because, uh, I love music. And of course, if you haven't been paying attention, the outro music for these episodes is the eventual song that is played, uh, On the episode of their performance. If you haven't seen that episode. I highly recommend it. But I will say. You should watch the entire season. So that way you know the full story. Of how impactful. That performance is. And that is the part where I cry. I will say. That is the day that I'm going to cry on this podcast. Because it was very emotional. And I will talk about that. When we actually get there. But uh, Jiro is actually kind of very. Uh, nervous about this whole thing, because, you know, music is more of like a hobby, and, you know, she, she's not really, you know, she grew up with it, you know, and I've, i I, I kind of see where Jira is coming from, because myself, and more so, I can give this example more so, my wife, she's an artist, she loves to paint, she does a whole bunch of watercolors, but when somebody tells her or asks her, hey, can you do this? I'll, like, sh- And they offer money, of course. She immediately starts to think like, oh, this is crap. Oh, this is not something that I want to do. So even though it's a hobby and she enjoys it, whenever it becomes something that she has to do, it becomes more of a chore. And at that point, they don't like it. So that's kind of the idea that Jiro's getting off here. But... Everybody's kind of lifting her up and like, hey, I think this could actually work and whatnot. But, of course, Momo is like, hey, you know, back off of her. I don't think she wants to do it. Let's think of something else. But she does end up saying, hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe uh, it, uh, she says here. Uh, What's she say? She says, turning down all these requests wouldn't make me much of a rock star. Uh, so. They are. They did. They decide right then and there that they are going to be doing a live performance, uh, which I absolutely love. I absolutely love uh, the performance that they end up doing. But like I said, we will get there when we get there. Uh, chapter one seventy. It's really cool because uh, Deku and uh, Midio get to go see Eerie and they have this awesome idea. That now that Yuri's, you know, quirk has kind of simmered down, she has not been running a fever, she's okay, everything seems to be okay. So, Deku asks uh, if the, uh, because I I couldn't remember the name. So, Aizawa, oh my gosh, okay, so, sorry, not Eraser, because in class he is known as Aizawa. Aizawa, uh, Deku asks Aizawa if Iri can go to the festival. Because they're explaining to her all these different things. And she wants to be their friends. And she does say here... Uh, or she... Uh, she tries to smile. This is like the biggest thing. This is the biggest important thing of this entire arc. Is... She says she's not very good at smiling... And she kind of gets emotional at this. And that's when Deku and Mirio realize that she hasn't truly been saved yet. When she can let go of the darkness that was basically consuming her with overhaul. uh, she, She needs to be put in a completely different light. A completely different state of mind in order for her to truly be saved. And so that's when Deku has this excellent idea of taking her to the uh to the festival and so they explained to her oh yeah this festival is gonna be so cool it's gonna have this and this and this and she really likes apples so they say oh you know how you like apples well you've never had a candy apple before just imagine like it's even sweeter and juicier and all and like she starts to drool and she's like oh my gosh even sweeter oh my god and so it it It's like she has this like pure innocence on her face and it's so adorable and it's absolutely awesome. Uh, you know, and she explains that she wants to be everybody's friend. She wants this to work out, but, uh, it does cut out to the, uh, police station where they are watching this video of this villain taking over or, or, uh, Not necessarily taking over, but having a robbery at this convenience store. He's holding a knife, and four villains come up. And he is easily able to escape. And it looks like these four villains have easily been defeated. It doesn't necessarily show the confrontation, but it shows the aftermath. And you see uh, this gentleman, as well as, I guess, the person that they are working with. And he calls the girl La Brava, and he is. Does they do they not say his name here? Uh, his name is Gentle, and I do know this because of the show. He is named Gentle Criminal. He that's his name, the Gentle Criminal. Uh, but they are some sort of a tag team. Uh, that perform their evil doings uh, on camera, so that way they can be internet famous on, you know, YouTube or whatever, like I said, their version of YouTube is. So, with uh, with that, we get to learn a little bit of background of Gentle and La Brava, mainly so with the fact of, like... He is doing this to become internet famous, but not necessarily through violence, but just showing that he can do, you know, these things. Uh, You've seen on his videos that he has not the greatest uh, comments or whatever. Uh, They don't, most people think he's kind of a joke, but he wants to prove that he's more than a joke. Uh, So it jumps back to the kids at school where everybody is starting to learn that uh, that uh, class 1A is doing this live performance, and UA or UA no 1A class 1A is kind of trying to figure out okay who's gonna be playing the instruments, because Zero does come up and say hey, uh, she says here uh, what did she say she says uh, four on the floor beats then and because they're trying to think about what kind of music they're gonna play. She says EDM is ideal if we're talking music you want you can dance to but you guys uh, want to play instruments right? Anyone ever played bass or drums? And they immediately look at at freaking Bakugo, and they're like, hey Bakugo, you've played the drums before, right? And he's just like, like whatever, huh? And they even say, try banging on these drums. Uh, I hear it's really tricky, and that kind of just like irks him, he's like, what, they said this is hard, I'll prove to you, and then he, like, just does it, like, nonchalant, so everybody, even Jiro, is, like, just, like, gawking all over him, they're, like, drooling, and, like, oh my god, this is amazing, I can't believe this dude is such a hothead, but he can play the drums like a freaking angel, and he says, like, I don't want to do this, like, I don't want to do this, because they, like, he says here, he says, uh, he says, like hell it will the whole point is to help those others uh the other kids chill out right but what's stressing them out to start with is how cut up in our own world we are they ain't gonna accept this coming from a bunch of people they hate and he says uh he he uh what does he say he then says we're the ones who keep getting punked by villains So why do we got to be a bunch of sappy people pleasers? So he's on the side of like, okay, we're the ones that are always getting attacked. Why do we have to like really be the ones to perform and get everybody else happy? But at the same time, he says, stop trying to lick their stupid boots and hit them where it counts. Don't make friends, make them hurt. Instead, got to do this right and murder them with music. And I, like, that is, like, the most metal thing Bakugo has ever said, and everybody's like, okay, that's, like, a weird way of saying it, but you got the right idea, let's freaking do it. So then they're thinking, okay, well, if Jiro is gonna do guitar, uh, or Jiro's, yeah, Jiro's gonna do guitar, Bakugo's gonna do music, they need a bass player, as well as, uh, right yeah they because here in in chapter 172 they start to try to figure everything out as far as what more of a performance can it be not just music they're like well we can do dance we can do all sorts of stuff uh they also like ask hey oyama can be somewhat of a disco ball and he's like wait what what i can be a what and they're like, okay, and then, you know, we can also do uh, singing. Who's going to do the singing? And Minetto and some others try to do singing. Uh, Oyama tries to do singing. They all kind of suck at it. And they ask, okay, Jiro, why can't you do music too? Why can't you do lyrics? And she's like, oh, well, you know, I don't know if I can necessarily do it or not. And they're like, okay, okay, just try, just try. And so she, like, takes a breath and then starts to sing, and it kind of shows, like, these panels. Of course, you can't hear anything in a manga, but the way they kind of show the panels kind of, like, just, like, bursting or whatever, it's basically perfect music to their ears, and everybody's just, again, starts to drool. You never knew that these kids could have so much talent outside of just being awesome heroes. So, then... They find, uh, you know, she then asks, okay, we need one other guitar player as well as a bass player. And Mineta is so ready. He is so ready to be a bass player. And it's so hilarious because his arms cannot reach the guitar strings. His arms are too short. And he gets so upset and he throws the bass uh, aside and just starts to cry and runs off to a corner. While uh, Tokiyama of course, he is the one who... His power is the shadow, uh, kind of the bird character. Uh, he is able to rift, like, super good. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, he knows how to play good, you know, the bass, too. What's going on? And so you're learning little pieces of these of these characters. And so they ask if uh, the dancers, of course, ask Minetta, hey, uh, I can cook up a part of the dance where you get a, uh, a heart harmony and like with like tears of joy he's like i'm in i'm so in I, like like because he because he's kind of just like in the corner saying this is so stupid i hate this festival i can't believe this is gonna blah, 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 blah. and like he's so upset because he still couldn't get, like string the bass and so they go up and they're nice to him he's like hey why don't you be a part of our dance And, you know, you can have, like, this one part in it. And, like, that's it for him. He's like, I can't wait for this festival to start. It's going to be so awesome. Uh, So, at that point, you do have the band. You have the staging team, as well as the dance squad. All three teams. And they're ready to go. Uh, We also get a small little interaction between Deku and All Might. uh, Here at the end of the... uh, well, towards the end, more so towards the middle. Yeah, no, you know, the end of the of the chapter, uh, they end up, you know, saying, hey, Deku ends up saying, I, you know, I need to work on my power more because without Eerie on that last fight, I could have been a dead man. I need to make sure to rely more on myself. And so All Might says, OK, let's meet at, you know, at the grounds, you know, in the forest so nobody can see us. And let's see what we can do. And freaking uh, All Might says, hey, I need you to go to 20% right now. And attack. Not necessarily at me, but just attack in a direction. And a big gust of wind just hurls towards the trees and like destroys them. And, you know, he's he says, in the last battle, it seems you didn't realize it because you've been fighting so defensively. But you can fire off a blast of wind without hurting yourself. And Deku even feels it. He's like, but my body is still, you know, not really recovered with that 20%. And, you know, All Might says, okay, well, think back. Think back at what you've learned so far. Step one, 100% with just one part of your body. Two, controlling the output in one body part. Three, controlling the output through the whole body continuously, for the shoot style, which is with his feet, five, raising the upper limit from five to eight, and now going all the way, which is step six, going all the way out, all out, and draw on 20% for a limited time. And All Might getting super excited about this, he says, which brings us to the heart of the matter, that in truth, I, and before he could really spill out all of his glory, Deku spills it out for him, You weren't using 100% all the time. And he goes into his nerdy mode, kind of muttering. He's like, oh my gosh. Uh, He says, if All Might was always using 100%, every little action would have produced those wins. Uh, That's it. I've got it. I can't move around at 20% for long, but just an instant. At that exact moment, I'm striking. I need to combine steps 2 and 6, which is controlling the output in one body part and going out... Going all out to draw on 20% of a limited time. So at that point, basically, uh, all-, all Might tells him to use that 20% in his finger, but we don't get to see that. That's going to be in the next episode next week. It's going to be super exciting. I've already seen this in the anime, so I'm really excited to see what happens in the manga if anything else is different so far nothing else has been super different because the anime uh, producers have been wanting to put almost exactly what's on paper on screen and it's absolutely amazing so i'm really excited about all of this uh, i'm having a lot of fun reading this even though i have seen it on an anim- on, like in the anime so far but, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying this. Like I said, this is quite possibly one of the best mangas out there right now. One of the best animes out there right now. And I just, I can't get enough of it. I'm so ready to see what comes up with, you know, because a little bit of spoilers here. Uh, it looks like for season five of the anime and into like the later chapters, we start to look at the past of uh, One for All. So, I'm really excited to see how that works out. It's almost like the Avatar, The Last Airbender, uh, looking at the past reincarnations of it. So, I'm getting really excited to see the history of all that. But with that, let's go ahead and go into the last book of the episode. That being Roroni Kenshin chapters, I think it's... 16 through 18. Hey guys, before we go on to the last book of the night, I just want to bother you one more time this week. I know that I've already said this on the last two episodes, that being on the Thursday show and the Friday show, but I just want to say it again. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. It really does mean a whole lot to me. Uh, Of course, I am trying to build a community here on Anchor and of course on my Twitter and Instagram with the Fanboy Comics Podcast. So please share this podcast with friends, uh, your manga-loving friends, your anime-loving friends, your DC and Marvel-loving friends, uh, because I don't know everything when it comes to this content, and I would love to learn more. And you guys, some of you guys, are the experts. I will not claim that I am an expert on any of this stuff, because, like this episode, I completely forget names 100% of the time. It seems like every episode I'm always forgetting names. It's really hard for me. But I do in I do enjoy, I was gonna say in love. I do enjoy and love this content. I absolutely do. It's quite possibly like the reason why I get so excited about this podcast, in particular the Shonen Jump, just because it does bring new content to me. I've never dived into manga before. So, doing this with Showman and Jump has shown a whole new world to me, and it's really, really fun. So, if you would please share and uh, subscribe to this podcast, that would do so much for me. And uh, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into Roroni Kinshin. All right, Roroni Kinshin, chapters 16 through 18. Uh, Now, of course, we did leave off when Megumi kind of rushed in into the gambling. Of uh, Kenshin and Sono. Now, of course, we did learn that she is somewhat involved with this individual who has his own private army, uh, and f- for some odd reason, uh, opium has something to do with it, uh, drugs have something to do with it. And we open up here with uh, Kairi and Yoshi uh, at, uh, of course, their house. They're wondering where. Uh, Uh, kenshin could be and they come in with megumi and so kairi is getting like super nervous like why did they bring a woman home what's going on she asks questions and so uh sono not wanting to tell the truth just because things have been a little bit complicated uh he lies and says that uh basically kenshin won megumi in a gambling game (laughs) and yoshi's like man they really did win big today (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Kyrie is very offended by this because, you know, she thinks it's wrong for them to basically uh, owning a slave, quote unquote. But uh, then Megumi kind of plays into this whole thing uh, with the, you know, tension that Kyrie is bringing her being very loud, outspoken, kind of brutish. Uh, Megumi uh, kind of plays along the fact that, hey, you know, I'm much I'm a much better girl. I'm a much sweeter girl than this than this girl. You know, maybe you want to stay with me or whatever. Uh, but Kyrie ends up kicking everybody out. And it gets into the whole thing with the opium. And they're wanting to learn more about Megumi's past. Uh, she does not want to say anything so far. Uh, but one of Sono's friends, uh, who was able to take the two that uh, went to the hospital... Due to the last chapter's confrontation. Uh, they said okay there's something going on near the river. So they go out into the city. And the two individuals that they knocked out in the last chapter. Uh, they are now dead in the river. And so they're like hey what is going on? You know they we just saw them like not too long ago. Uh, this is where Megumi does actually. Uh, see on the other side of where they are standing in the giant crowd, she sees uh, the individual who owns the private army, his right hand, and of course this little runt that was causing them problems uh, last chapter. And I believe his name, the the small dude, uh, his name is uh, Bashimi, uh, and this mysterious dude notices Kinshi uh, 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 Roni Kinshin, they call him Kinchi, Uh, but, you know, Bashimi is very, you know, eager to like, maybe start something right here and there, but they advise against it. So this individual, uh, I, I do think that they actually show his name later. Uh, uh, they say what I think. They say it later, but they uh, they tease that there is actually somebody that is very fast and possibly hidden. Uh, he is kind of doing surveillance for them, uh, and that he wants, you know, the right hand of this personal army. He wants to do reconnaissance on Megumi, on Kenshin, and all these people. Uh, but uh, I yeah. His name is uh, Kanryu, is this right hand. He is very ominous, kind of, you know, tall, handsome dude. Uh, uh, well, well, actually, yeah, it says here, Megumi says, The private army wasn't enough. What Kanryu, that is the person who owns the army, wanted was the Oniwabanishu. Oniwabanishu, and it says here, Is an elite group of, Amanitsu, which are spies of the Edo period, now known as ninja or shinobi, who protected, who protected, from the shadows the castle and estates of generals and shogun, because their tasks were, or their task was so crucial. Only the ninja and most skilled in combat were called to service, and says here. Just before the Meiji, uh, the one who at the tender age of 15 became the Okashira, okashi, or head of Idio Castle. Uh, his name is That Shino, Shino, I cannot say these names right. I am so sorry. Shinomari... Shinomari? Ashi? Oh, Oshi or Ashi? So I think his name is Ashi. So I'm going to just say Ashi. So, Ashi is the one that's kind of ominous, kind of, you know, the handsome looking guy. But, uh, Sono and Kinshin very much don't take him lightly, basically. Uh, so, in chapter 17, 17 is basically, uh, Kenshin is trying to get, you know, an eye for what he can expect when, uh, this Ryu army comes looking for them and especially megumi uh but he wants to take the fight to them so that way the army isn't the one uh you know making the first moves so uh kairi is kind of getting nervous because kinshi is spending a whole lot of time with megumi alone and it's so funny because sono actually catches her like eavesdropping or whatever and he says it's very rude and, here, uh, there seems to be, uh, like, they, they start, they start to kind of talk amongst themselves, because actually comes out, and they're trying to plan a, you know, a form of attack, and it's really funny, because Yoshi was actually hiding the entire time, uh, and kind of surprises them, and, you know, he says, he, he needs to be invited to these meetings, because he's a part of Team Kinshi also, uh. And, uh, you know, they still very much see him as a child, but it's really cool because Megumi actually sees the four of them kind of like laughing, kind of talking, kind of, you know, being a family. And it kind of shows somewhat of a flashback of her being with a family as well. So you see a little part of her past, even though she's not necessarily sharing it. And here we have three individuals storm into, uh... The household, or the dojo, Uh, one is very, 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 very large, uh, both tall and wide, uh, with Bishimi, and as well as there is some sort of uh, ninja-esque dude with a very creepy-looking mask, Uh, so they immediately attack, and it's really cool because this big dude, he is, uh, of course they're all wanting to get Megumi, Uh, but this big dude, the way he fights, he actually has, like, a gallon of freaking gasoline. Like, a bag of gasoline inside of his stomach and a fuse string or a flint string, uh, going basically up his throat into his mouth where he uses his mouth to light the flint and then, like, basically breathes fire. Uh, very interesting way of fighting. Uh, he is... He fights Sono like this, and Sono gets somewhat burned, but he's able to move. Uh, So he's not extremely burned, he just gets burned, like, from his legs or whatnot. Uh, Freaking Kinshin immediately wants to take the fight from there, and when this big dude starts to blow fire, Kinshin uses his sword almost as a windmill, and is blowing the fire past him, and away from him. And... You know, this big dude, he's like, you can't keep this up for long. I'm eventually going to start, you know, blowing through your weak arms and you are going to get burned. And he does not like he Kenshin is still able to bring it, uh, keep it up all the way through. But we also see Megumi get very nervous at this fighting and says, hey, I think I'm going to bounce and starts to run off. Kyrie actually ends up stopping her because Kai, uh, Megumi does not know that Kairi is behind her and says, hey, where do you think you're going? Like, I'm going to be here supporting my family. These people are fighting for you, and you're not even going to stay here? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, you you are some piece of work. And it's it's this action that Megumi is almost inspired to just stay there and just be in awe that people actually care about her. I don't think anybody has cared for her in quite some time. So, uh... The on you know, chapter 18, our last chapter, uh, Sono wants another crack at this guy, uh, and it's really cool because, uh, this big dude once again flicks his teeth, gets the, the flint going, and blows the fire. And Sono jumps right into the fire, uh, basically showing, and and Kinshi even says, dodging gets you burned, so jumping into the. Fo- into the source means fewer wounds. And basically, Shino grabs the flint from his mouth and pulls the entire bag out of his stomach. Actually, really, really gross to once you think about it. And Sono just beats the ever-living crap out of this dude with one kick. And, of course, this uh, uh, Bishimi dude sees Megumi right off the bat, kind of out. You know in the distance and is you know uses one of his little uh his little weapons that he flicks uh, shoots one at her but yoshi actually uh jumps in and saves her hitting his arm and kairi and everybody's like what are you doing what's what's wrong with you now of course here in the uh manga they call him uh Yahiko but like I said in the anime they called him Yoshi and that's just how I remember him so that's how I'm going to uh uh, that's how I'm going to recognize him but I do I do understand Yahiko is kind of like a better name so Yahiko does say that uh he says that I am on team Kenshin uh even if I can't attack I can at least still defend don't you have any faith in your pupil? He's talking to Kyrie, But then he immediately falls down. Inbashimi actually does kind of like say. Hey that was poison. You know. Your brat won't last an hour. But. Uh, Kinshin comes out of nowhere. Knocks him out. And. Uh, before. Uh, he can really. Lay a second attack. Uh, this other dude. Uh, this ninja dude, uh, he actually is able to grab Bishimi, uh, mid-attack. And he says, hey, uh, I, what does he say? He says, uh, well, actually, he doesn't say anything. He just grabs him, and, uh, before anything can happen, like, everybody's freaking out about Yahiko. And that is that. That is chapter... Oh my gosh, it jumped all the way back to when I was talking about My Hero. Okay, and that is chapter 18. <laughs> um, I really enjoy this. Now, like I said before with My Hero Academia, I have seen Rurouni Kenshin all the way through. So I remember, you know, small pieces of the anime. I've been wanting to watch it again through Hulu. And so I've, I think I've watched like the first six episodes. So not quite this far. But... I think I will go ahead and do that uh, this weekend, kind of watch a little bit with that. But uh, I've been enjoying this. I really, really have. I love, you know, diving into the Shonen Jump app. I will say uh, with my taste of manga, uh, when it comes to the selection of what to read, I do feel like it's a little limited. You know, I feel like I've been wanting to read Pokemon or I want to read Full Metal And all of those classics, they're not on the Shonen Jump app. So it does, you know, irk me a little bit that I'm not able to read those. I would really love to read uh, Yu Yu Hakusho. They're here, but uh, they're only in volumes, which means I would have to pay for them. And right now, I can't spend the money on them uh, as much as I would like. I think it's it's a total of 19 volumes, and it's seven dollars each that's just way too much money as of right now but maybe in the future um i could purchase like one of those and go buy the chapter maybe and you know do it that way to help move along uh the show but you never know you never never know so with that guys uh, of course there will not be any episodes sunday monday tuesday or wednesday uh, I will see you guys again, or I will, will, you will hear me again on Thursday, uh, for the throwback Thursday episode, which I do believe that means that we will be on the, uh, X-Men, the red, blue, and gold, as well as the, uh, what a uh, detective Superman and Superman and Batman. So that's going to be fun. And of course, uh, we will be talking about all of these, uh, books again next saturday so i will see you then